Okay, so I'm looking at Jesus centered, right? But one of, we've got five things that I believe make us as a church. One of them is living Jesus centered. So that's what I want to hit today. There's many things we could say about this, but I really believe God's given me some things today to share with you. And I want you to be expectant. I want you to be open, not just to me, but to God. I want you to be open to God to speak to you today, not just for today, but you'll take this into your week, into the next month, into the next years. Because I believe God's got a message for you that he wants to speak to you. Are you, are you do you believe the, God, the word of God is alive? It's like a double-edged sword. It cuts through. You know, it, it's not just information. Jesus is alive. And you need the word of God, but you need the spirit of God to make it alive. So we need a right posture when we approach the word of God. How are you approaching the word of God? Are you questioning it? Let, let me just give you a tip on how to approach it. Are you ready? With faith. You believe it. Now, you might have lots of questions. That's okay. That's good. But you believe it that Jesus actually died for you. Believe what it's telling you. So you approach with faith. Okay? The second thing you do is this. You're seeking it. I'm seeking something. I'm desiring something. I have a desire to know something about God. I might not have it all together, but I'm seeking to know something. All right? Does that make sense? What am I seeking? I am seeking to understand. That's what I'm seeking. I haven't got it all together. I don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't think I know it all. I'm not seeking to find out what's wrong about this. I'm, find, I'm seeking to find God in this. Does that, does that make sense? If you look for what's wrong, you'll find something that's wrong. You, you'll make it up yourself what's wrong and why it's wrong. That's a wrong approach. We approach with faith that says, I trust that God exists. And I'm seeking to understand in this moment, my life, how this appropriates for me today. That's the approach. Does that make sense? Faith seeking understanding. That's your posture. But I don't understand God. So I'm seeking you so that I can understand. I don't know why this has happened God. But I'm seeking you so I can understand where you are. In my misunderstanding. That's the posture. You got it? So that's how we approach when we come to scripture. When we come to church. I want to understand something God. Does anybody want to understand something? Come on. So who's ready for Valentine's Day? I like that handle. Is that Isabel? That went straight up. Who's ready for Valentine's Day? She was confident, man. She's expecting a card. Come on. She's expecting a love letter. Anybody else? And then all you people that are single, nobody's got me one. And, I'm, and we all do it, right? And I, Listen, we went, we went shop the other day. And I'm walking with Sarah and there's a, there's a stand, right? All the cards, you know, they're just in the right place when you walk in. Right? So you walk in, there's a big stand, they're all there. And guess what it says? Three for two. <laughs> Three for two. Marks and Spencers. I know it's expensive, but they've got three. And Sarah says, who buys three? If anybody wants two, I've got two. Come to me after. <laughs> she says, who buys three? And then it got me thinking, who blinking buys three? And you all laugh, but the forward planner buys three. I got one for next year. I got one for the year after. I'm sorted, baby. You thought I was stupid. I got it all together. See, you're laughing now. You paid more than me. Guys, did you do the three for two? Oh, no, you're on quiet now. Who's the clever one this morning? Three for two. I sound like Peter Kay this morning. 
And I thought he buys three for two. Yeah, the forward planner, clever one. You were laughing, weren't you? And I thought, who else buys three for two? The one who feels guilty, you need to buy three instead of one. Yeah? Buys the flowers because you've done something wrong, so you feel you should. I mean, that's not a right approach, is it, to God, really? To give someone who you love and who loves you. Do I need extra? Do I need to give more because it's not enough? No, the one is enough. Is he not enough? Is Jesus not enough? Is he enough? Was his blood enough? It was enough. And then I thought, who else buys three? It's the lad or the girl when you're at, pri- when you're at high school and you don't know if this one likes you or that one likes you. Or, or, will they like me or who do I buy? Has anybody done this? I didn't dare buy anyone. Do you know why? Because I was scared they'd reject me. So I didn't buy anyone a, a Valentine's card until I was sure oh, I'm going to buy one. I don't want to do that in case they're I look fool. I might, or I'll do it anonymously. I'll put it through a letterbox. No one will know. Anybody done that one? And just in the hope, it's like, how are they going to know who you are if you haven't put your name on it? Who's done that? And I thought, who, who, who does this? Yeah, it's the one. It's the one who does this. I, I'm not sure, so I, I'll, put, I'll put one there. I'll put one there, and I'll put one there. I'll take three chances, just in case. Well, I'm going to say this to you. We can't approach God like that. You can't put all your egg, you can't put all your one egg over there and one egg there with him and one egg. It doesn't work like that. You've got to put all your eggs in one basket with him. Because it won't work. You can't be half-hearted with God. It doesn't work. You've got to be all in with God. You see, you, you, you can't love money, Jesus said, and God, it's not possible. You you love money, guess what will happen? You'll be anxious about money. But if you love God fully, you won't be worried about money. Because your heart is trusted in God, in God alone. Are are you with me? We're talking about being Jesus-centered this morning. We're talking about putting Jesus at the center of our lives. Trusting Jesus, loving the Lord with all of our heart and all of our strength and all of our mind, he says. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus says, and that's how we're to live that way. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So how do we do this? I want to look at someone who had his eggs in different baskets. He had more than one Valentine card. He didn't didn't quite want to give his whole to one, so I'll keep one over here, and I'll give one there. Are we ready? I've got 21 minutes, and I've wasted nine minutes. Ready? Ready? Right, let's get on with it. 1 Samuel 9, verses 1 to 5. It's Saul. And there's some great things about Saul we can learn. We're going to learn from him. But there's some other things we can also learn about Saul that weren't good. But we can learn the lesson before we go through the hard lesson, right? This is why Scripture's written, so that we can learn things. Principles and the ways of God. It says, this was a, there was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeorah, the son of... Raph, whatever that says, the son of Apiath of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul. Are you ready, ladies? You ready? As handsome as a young man as could be found. Who's looking for an handsome young man? There's one here for you. And he was a head tall. So he's tall and handsome. All right? 
You short guys who are ugly, don't get all insecure on me. God loves you. He loves you. You're beautiful in his sight. Stop looking at the handsome man and comparing yourself. Okay? And them laughing. I hope you're not laughing about your husbands. Right. Now the donkeys, they're the main characters. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go look for the donkeys. Number one lesson Jesus centered. If we don't learn this one, we won't learn anything else. You know, Saul was asked to do something. He could have said, Dad, I don't fancy looking for donkeys today. I don't fancy that donkey work. Send the servants. It's it's below my grade. I'm better than that. I'm your son. I'm not a servant. Let the son do it. Sorry, the servant do it. Has anybody been looking for donkeys, by the way? I used to love going Blackpool. One of the most exciting things when I was a kid was going Blackpool looking for the donkeys. Are they there? Are they there? If it was a wet day, they weren't out. I mean, oh, I just want to see the donkeys. Get on the donkey and you'd pick your donkey, which one you'd ride on. It'd have a name, Dasher, Prancer. Oh, they're reindeers, aren't they? But I'm, I'm making them up as I go, right? They had these names. and you'd be like, I want a donkey. Why? Because I want to get on the donkey. These donkeys clearly had a value, did they not? The father obviously wanted his donkeys, so he says to the son, will you go and find that that's lost? And the son could have gone, no, I don't fancy that work. Above my pay grade. Below my pay grade. Above my pay grade. Below. 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 Got it. It's not... Don't fancy it. Number one, Jesus-centered. Posture. Humility and obedience. Humility and obedience. We've got to understand our position in this. You know, it says of Moses, I read something this week, D.L. Moody, it says this. Moses spent 40 years, right? 40 years. He thought he was someone. 40 years. I can do this. I'm the main man. And then he killed someone and he didn't get it right and he messed up. And then he spends 40 years realizing he's no one. Humility. When I say no one, I mean God's getting the posture right. Just an ordinary person. And then he spends 40 years realizing what God can do through ordinary people. You got it? See the process? There's a process. Most of us want to do this. I want to get to the place and I want the position and I want the power and I want to see God move. God says, okay, you want my power? You want to see me operate and work through you? Well, let's just deal with that little bit of pride in you that thinks you know better than me and do what I say, number one. He says to the son, go and get the servants and go and get the lost donkeys. I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to forgive people. I, I don't want to get baptized. I don't want to follow Jesus. It's hard. I, I don't want to do what he says. No problem. If you want to live Jesus-centered... You've got to trust that he's good and he's got good things for you. But sometimes we've got to have a little bit of humility. Humility and obedience cannot be separated. You can't say I'm humble but don't obey. And you can't say I'm obedient without humility because it won't happen. Because you're recognizing there's someone greater than you. There's a process in that. Does this make sense? 
obedience leads to empowerment. If you want empowerment, then you're going to have to obey. You're going to have to trust him with his word. We sing the song, I'll take you at your word. I'll take you at your word, Lord. I believe what you say. You know, we've all got to do some donkey work, have we not? Sometimes we don't like the donkey work. We don't want to read a Bible. It doesn't give me the quick fix. I don't want to pray. What does it give me? It's not about what it gives you. It's about what the Father wants. And the Father wants these donkeys that are lost. Oh, I thought it was about me. No, if you're in the kingdom now, you've, you've got faith in Jesus Christ, you were a lost donkey that's now in. Now our job is, guess what it's do? Go look for the donkeys. And actually help those who are looking for donkeys because there's a servant involved in this as well. You know the amazing thing about this? Is when he sends him on the mission, he doesn't send him alone. He gives him a helper. He gives him a helper who empowers him at the right time. He's not on his own. Obedience leads to empowerment. You want to be a person who lives the life that Jesus wants you to live, then if you follow him, you need to learn to follow his teachings and apply them in your lives. You need to be aware of your reactions, how you're responding. Is this like Jesus? Is, is this a pure motive in my heart to love people? Or is it about me? That's the right posture that we need to obtain in our lives. The second thing to live Jesus-centered then. Let's read what it says in 1 Samuel 9, 6 to 11. So Samuel, they start looking for the donkeys. And then he gets to this point where he's like, I've had enough of looking for donkeys now. I've had enough of doing what the Father asked me to do. I've had enough of this church thing. I've had enough of this relationship. I've had enough of this problem. I've had enough. Anybody had enough? And guess what he does? He says, I need to go back. I need to go back because the father's worried about me. How does he know the father's worried about him? It's not like he's on text him, is it? You know what I mean? Maybe he sent a pigeon mail. I don't know. How does, he doesn't even know the father's, he doesn't know what the father's thinking, surely. And he, and he, he wants to quit. He says, I, 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 let's go back because the father's, can't find these donkeys. father's worried about me. Let's go back. And then this is what happens. So he passed. So go on then, go back to that one. Sorry, go back to that one you did. You jumped back for it. It says, when they reached the distance of Zuf, Saul said to the servants who was with him, come, let's go back. Or my father will stop thinking about me. Stop thinking about the donkey, sorry, and start worrying about me. Do you see that in there? Who's it about? Is it about the donkeys or is it about Saul? You see his difference. He makes it about me. And what father's worried about me. I'm the apple. I'm the main person in the story. I'm the main character, Saul thinks. No, what does the father want? And go on to the next one then. But the servant replied, Luke, in this town there is a man of God. He is highly respected and everything he says comes true. Let's go there. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. Saul said to the servant, if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered him again. Luke, he said, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. Lesson number two, Jesus centered. We need to listen to wisdom. 
We need to listen. We need to grow in wisdom, and we need to listen to wisdom. If you don't know what wisdom is, read Proverbs. Read a little bit every day. It's, it's a father speaking to a son. He says, my son, listen. My son, listen. My daughter, listen. Listen carefully to my words. Cherish them within your heart. They will keep you safe. Listen to wisdom. Listen to my instruction. Listen on what to do and how to respond. It's all in Proverbs. You see, Saul's about to quit. I've had enough. I don't want to carry on. But wisdom comes. Wisdom says, do this. I'm about to go back and quit on the, on the mission. Wisdom says, there's a way through this. God will show you. And then Saul's like this, but I don't have enough. We don't have enough. We don't, we don't, I can't do this. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough. The servant says, I've got silver. I've got treasure. Let's carry on. How many of us quit here worrying because worry stops us and we don't want to carry on? I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. Where God has a plan, he's got it all in hand, he's going ahead of you. He even sent the servant with you to give everything you needed to provide for you. How are we with trusting God? How are we really with trusting God at the center of our hearts? Or does money, money consume us in here because we're so worried that we're not going to have enough? Is the Son enough? I believe he is. Is the Holy Spirit enough? I believe he is. But if there's other things in our hearts, they need to go. And God needs to be the thing that we worship and worship only him. You see... He does listen to wisdom, and he does what the servant says. You know, Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 4, it says this. Listen. Okay, it's there. You ready? If, if you want God at the center, if you want to eat of the things of God, if you want the nourishment, you want the living water, you want the life that God has for you, Isaiah says this. Listen. Not do. Listen. Doing comes out and after. It comes out a heart that's full of God. You don't do to get filled. You are filled and that overflow does. Is this making sense? Because otherwise, you, most people run ahead and go, I want to do, I want to do, I want to do. And then they realize it's hard work. No, you are filled to do. It's, you're filled with the Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. And then he went and he did. He didn't do first. He was filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled first and daily with living waters. Listen, all of you who are thirsty, come here for water to drink. I think you've got a different version. And you will have, and you will have no money. <laughs> come buy and eat. How do you buy and eat if you've got no money? These people, by the way, are in exile. So they haven't got money. That's the issue. They're in Babylon. Come buy milk, wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what's not bread and your labor on what's not to satisfy? Here we go again. Listen, and he repeats it. Listen to me. And we'll go on. And you will have delight in the riches of fair. Give ear. As though we've like, we miss it, okay? How many times has he said, listen? Give ear and come to me. Listen. That you may live. 
I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promise to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Listen, what are you listening to? Do we listen to wisdom? You know, and that might be somebody who's further on in the faith, who's an experienced person. It might be someone whose authority you are under, who's your pastor, who loves you, who's che- who believes in you. Are you listening to their wisdom? Ultimately, our shepherd is Jesus. And any advice that anybody is giving you should not come against the word of God or Jesus. He's the number one shepherd. But you need shepherds. You need guidance. You need people who love you and believe on you and say, hey, don't give up because you're tight. Don't give up because you're I know you're worrying about that, but this is the plan for your life. Don't quit here. Don't quit on church because of one experience and you've made it into the whole thing. No, it was one person. Forgive them and move on because there's a bigger plan here. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I'm worried about what people, I'm worrying, I'm worrying, I'm worrying, I'm worrying. What do they think about me? What's happening here? What do I, well, I'm, I'm worrying about, I need to go back. No, listen to wisdom. Listen to, the, listen to the servant, Jesus. What's he said? He says, hey, there's more than enough in you. I got more, I got, we're, we're going here. There's a man of God over. There, there's something, God's gone ahead of you and you're going to miss out on what God's gone ahead of you and you're going to miss it because you're worrying. I, I, I'm worried, I, I, can't, I can't, no, 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 there's a bigger plan, God, God's working and he has a plan, if Moses had quit after 40 years, if he'd have quit after another 40 years, and we wouldn't have seen Israel coming out of the mighty acts that God did, well, yeah, but I'm worried about, what, I'm worried, 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 what, what, what do they think about me, we've got to get over that church, we can't have worry at the centre of our hearts, now we worry about things, I'm not saying we can't be anxious and we've got things to worry about each day, but fundamentally, there should be something that we're not worried about. And I'm going to say that in a minute. Jesus-centered people, obedience leads to empowerment. You know, I came to Christ 20 years ago. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was lost, I was broken, I was hurt. Somebody invited me to church. Well, I don't really know what I'm doing, I'll go. What am I doing? I don't know, just a lost donkey. Somebody said, come to church. Well, what does that matter? Why bother? Okay, I'll go. Somebody said, why don't you sponsor a child in church? I don't know. Just don't know why. Should I? Okay, I'll sponsor a child. Somebody said to me, why don't you come see your sponsored child? Okay, I'll come. I'll go see my sponsored child then. Go after it. I don't know. I haven't got the money. Listen to this. This is my, I'm worried. I haven't got the money. I, I haven't got enough money. The servant comes in. My mom, hears from God, says, now send him Africa. Paul, you should go to Africa. I haven't got money. There you go. There's the money. Go. The servant provided. And I went and I surrendered my life to Christ in Africa. I got filled with the Spirit, born again, and I saw my future difference. What was I doing? I was doing donkey work. I'm just looking for donkeys. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just doing what the... F- I don't even know I'm being led. I'll just... Okay, I'll go church. Okay, I'll get... I'll sponsor a child. Okay, I'll give my life to Jesus. Okay, boom! Boom! What happens? All of a sudden, we'll see where Saul ends up. He meets the man of God. He bumps into the man of God. He doesn't even recognize the man of God. He goes up to the man of God, right? Here's a lesson. Goes up to the man of God. There's no halo. There's no posters on the wall. Evangelist preacher in the area. There isn't one. There's no limousine. There isn't. He goes up to him and says, where's the house of the seer? Where's the house of the prophet who hears from God? He doesn't even see it. Why? Because he's just looking for donkeys. And then Saul Samuel says to him, 
I'm your man. And then he gives him instructions. He says, go here. God, we're going to sit down. We're going to have a meal. God's invited you to a special meal. And then it says he puts him at the head of the table. He seats him right at the head of the table. And then, he, and then Samuel says, go and get that food that I've prepared for them. And they bring out this big thigh. And thighs, right, were prepared. Meat was not an everyday thing, by the way. They didn't eat meat. In that day, Jesus' day, there was no big feast with meat. There was no meat for people. They were poor, right? The only time generally you had meat, guess when it was? Special occasions. For Jews, it was the Passover. It was the lamb, right? They got this thigh out. They give the thigh. Who was the thigh really for? The thigh was for holy people. The thigh was for priests, the ones who went into the presence of God, who encountered God, who were the center of Judaism in that society, was then to permeate and influence everyone else. So Saul, who's just looking for donkeys, doesn't really know what he's doing. All of a sudden, he's sitting at a table. He's sitting in in the most important place at the head of the table. He's been invited as a guest into the presence of these important people, and he's eating the best meat. But how did he get there? He just did what the father said, and he just did the donkey work, not really knowing where he's going. But God's working in it, and we can't even see what God's doing. God's preparing a place. God's providing for him, and he's just walking along the walk, not sure where he's going. Oh, Mike, quit. Servant says, no, carry on, keep going. Okay, we'll go again. Something in me, has a, something in me is greater than the quitting, and keeps leading me and saying, well, what am I doing? I want to quit on this. And all of a sudden, wow, where have we ended up? Sitting like a king at the table. You see, God empowers ordinary people like me and you. Don't, let, don't get lost in the God, man of God syndrome. Please, don't put, me, don't put me up here with God. You've got it wrong. I'm an ordinary man. But I know there's an extraordinary God. And if you're willing to obey and give your lives to him, if you're willing to submit, then God will use you. I don't like that word use. God will work through you to love you and to love other people. That's a better phrase. He just looks for ordinary people who are willing to say yes like me and you. Church, I'm going to say this to you prophetically. This church is going into a different season. This church is going to into a season. God's told me, get ready, Paul. Now, it's not going to look like maybe what you think it's going to look like. Because it's going to look like this sometimes when we go deeper. God takes us deeper into the things of him and he shakes us. And those who are on his word will remain, they'll remain on the track. Those who are not, we still love them, but they might not go through the process of refining and renewal. Are you hearing me? But I want to say this to you, church, stick with the process. Stick with the process. And I'm worried about this, what's happening. In the natural, it doesn't look quite right. What's going on? What's going on? And God says, I'm renewing my church. I'm renewing my church. And guess what? There's gifts coming. There's power coming. But if you quit, if you quit, you won't get into that place. Don't make it about the position. Don't make it about the power. Look at me. I've got the, I'm after the position. Wrong, wrong, wrong posture. Make it about this. Posture, God. Love you, God. Love you, God. Is that the right attitude, God? What you're doing, God? I'm sorry for that. I forgive them, God. I forgive them. I love them. I love them. I love them. I just love them. And all of a sudden, God says, yeah, now you love them. I'll give you more. Have you got it? It's process. It's not position. Process, process. And he's processing Saul. God works with ordinary people. Ordinary people. Don't get too big for our boots. We're just ordinary people. I'm Paul. Yeah, I'm a man of God, whatever. I'm Paul. Right? Are you listening? But I'm important in Christ.
and so are you. See, the only position you need to know is the position of who you are in relationship to him. The only position you need to know is who you are in him. Who you are by faith in Christ and who Christ is in you. That is the number one lesson. Don't run after power. Don't run after position if you don't first have this. Paul deals with the Corinthians when they've got power gifts going on. And he has to send them a letter and say, 1 Corinthians 13, hey, love. Love is the most important thing here, church. Not power, not gifts. It's considering others. How do they feel? Don't boast. Don't be envious. Love. Do you, do you love your pastor? Do you love your leaders? Do you love your team? Do you, do you love those who are serving you? We can't love the church. How are we ever going to love those who are hard? Well, church can be hard. Do you see what I'm saying? The posture, posture, posture every time. God empowers ordinary people. I've kind of touched on this. God prepares a place for you. Has God prepared a place for you? He's gone ahead of you and prepared a place for you. And the last thing I want to touch is this. And I think this could, honestly, if you get this, this could change your life forever. But you'll have to do a bit of donkey work. You'll have to do it daily. It's not a one-off. You know, you can get revelation. Saul gets revelation. He gets insight of God in his heart. It says he's a changed man. Yet we see him in chapter 15. God tells him, do something. He refuses to do it. And God says, I'm done with this kingship with him. We've chosen someone else. I've chosen, chosen David, a man after my own heart. So we can get revelation and go, oh yeah, God's changed my life. God's changed my life. God's changed my life. Doesn't mean he's changed every area of your life. He's changed something. But there's a process and you're on a journey. We're not there yet. So here's the, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing that hit me with this. Saul is worrying about what the father is worrying about. Do you think that's crazy? I'm worrying about what people think about me. Do you think that's mad? How many of us do this? I'm worrying about what they think. I'm worrying about what the pastor thinks. I'm worrying about what my boss thinks. I'm worrying about what they're... To worry about what they think is one level, but to worry about what they're worrying about, why am I worrying about their worries? Why am I worrying about their worries for? I've got enough worries of my own. Does not Jesus say, you've got enough worries of your own, you've got enough worries of today, why are you worrying about their worries? See, Saul was a worrier. He was a worrier. He spends three days looking for donkeys, I've had enough, I want to go back, I'm, I'm worrying about what the father's worrying about. The father's worried about me as though he's the center of everything. No. You need to understand this truth. Are you ready? Your father in heaven is not worrying about you. He really isn't. He's not sitting there thinking, oh my word, they're going to get it wrong again. Oh my word, they're going to mess up again. Oh my word, what, what am I going to do when this, what, what am I going to do when they stop looking for donkeys? What am I going to do? The father doesn't look at you like that. He's not worried about your mess. He's not worried about when you get it wrong. He's not worried about when you get it right. He just doesn't worry. There is no worry in him. He's not worried about you. So why do we worry? 
If he's not worried and he's gone ahead of me and he's given me his servant, his spirit to go with me every day and his spirit in me is going to resurrect me from the dead, then I don't need to worry, do I? Are you with me on this? We don't need to worry because God's not worried about you. So how do you, how, how do you deal with this each day? You make this confession. Ready? God's not worrying about me. God loves me. You see, Jesus needed to know this. Matthew, Jesus gets baptized. And in, in Matthew, it says this when he got baptized. Jesus comes to get baptized and he, and he says, and he says uh, John says to him, no, 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 you're not baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, no, I need to be baptized because I need to do what the Father's asked me to do. The Son has been sent to do what the Father's asked him to do. So he submits willingly to the Father and to John, the servants. So he submits to John. And then it says the Spirit comes upon him. And the Father says to him, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He is so pleased with the Son. He's so pleased with you. He's so pleased with me. He's so pleased with his children who are running around worrying about everything else and everybody's worrying about everybody else. God says, I'm not worrying about you. I've got you exactly where I want you. It, it, might, it might not be easy. It might be a difficult season. Posture. Posture. Joseph, God had him exactly where he wanted him. Probably wasn't in the position he wanted to be. Posture, posture, posture. And then he seats him at the table at the head. Paul was in prison. I don't want to be here. What do we do? Posture, posture. One of the greatest influences on the New Testament in you today. A guy who was set in prison. You think, oh, what a position he's in. Posture. God uses ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances to minister in and through to other people. I want to give you the posture that I've learned when it's hard. Because when it's hard, sometimes we want to run away. We want to quit because we're worrying. I want to teach you the posture that I've learned. Is that okay? I'm going to finish with this. And I want you to do this this morning. I want you to bring the things that you're worrying about. And I want you to learn to trust God with them. And this is a posture I believe David had. It's definitely a posture Jesus had. Are you ready? And if you pray this posture, if you... If you do this daily when it's not going well, I believe God will take you through the process and you'll become more like the sun and you'll discover God in ways that you would never imagine. And it's this. Father, your will, not my will. Jesus did it in the Garden of Gethsemane, the hardest time of his life. He said, Father, your will, not my will. It's so liberating, you know, when we do it. The second thing is this. Father, your way, not my way. I don't need to control this. You know, when we worry, we try and control everything and manipulate. We think we're solving the problem, but actually we can end the problem because we don't let people go through the process of struggle and coming out the other side. So we try and put everything in place and put nappies on them and it doesn't work. Lord, your will... Your way. I'm letting go. Your will. Your way. I know it's hard. I know we have to lay things down at times. Our emotions when we don't understand. When we feel lost like a donkey. Your will. Your way. 
Are you ready for the next one? This is the last one. Your time. Your time. Your time. You see, when Saul finds the man of God, do you know what he says to him? He says, them donkeys you've been looking for, they've been found. God was already in control. Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought, I need to sort something out and you're worrying about it? And then the thing you were worrying about, somehow it got sorted. Have you ever had that, seen that happen? It's because God's gone ahead of you. He's gone ahead of you. He's not worrying about you this morning. He wants to empower you. Your will, your way, your time. And this is what happens when we do that, when we surrender. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. All understanding. Doesn't make sense. I'm, Father, I'm seeking, I'm seeking, I'm seeking, believing, believing, believing. Doesn't make sense. But also, peace of God rules heart and mind. Does that mean we stop doing the donkey work? No. Does that mean I stop reading my Bible? No. Does that mean I procrastinate and put things off? No. But my posture, my heart is trusting in the living God above all things. What are you worrying about now? Because the Father's not worrying about it. I want you to just bow your heads. I just want to pray and then we're going to just worship and probably do a response after. But I just want to pray for you. And I just want you to just have that posture right now. Maybe you're worrying about finance, you know, and there's things you can do to address those things. Or maybe sometimes the love of money gets into our hearts. I just want you to say, Lord, I surrender that to you right now. Maybe there's kids that have got lost and you're worrying about them and rightfully so because you love them and you care for them but I want you to just give them to the Father this morning and say Father I'm not going to worry about them now send your son send your spirit into their lives Father may they be open to receive from you I'll love them I'll be there for them but I'm not going to worry about them because I believe you've gone ahead or maybe you worry about what people think. How many of us do this? You know, when you worry about what people think, I want you to give you a word to help you combat that. It's a word that is over 360 times in the Bible. God says it to his people. He says, do not be afraid. You know, and when you start worrying about what people think, I want you to do this. This is your donkey work. You take that thought captive of what people think and you speak to yourself and say, Paul, James, John, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I believe God wants to empower you with his servant, his spirit this morning, that he can speak to you personally and lead you in his ways so that you don't, you don't need a man of God. What you need is the Holy Spirit in your life to teach you and to lead you so that you make good choices from now on. You make pure choices. You make right choices. You make choices that honor and glorify with my life, with everything I do that honors Him because I love Him. So Father, I just pray right now for people that are worrying. 
this week they'll encounter you, your spirit, your peace. And Lord, you'll give them the practical things to do, but they'll, in their hearts, they'll start worrying. And Lord, they'll know your spirit, they'll know your heart, they'll know your love at a greater depth. You know, if you're here and maybe you're like a donkey who's lost, you've just been wandering around and you don't really know that the Father values you so much. He really, really values you. And it's not to be a derogatory thing that you're a donkey. But the Father values the donkeys. He values his sheep. He loves us so much, that much, that he would send his son for you. And not a son who would want to give up or quit when it got hard, but a son who would give and pay the price for you. He would pay the price with his blood for the, your forgiveness. And then he would pour out his spirit that would empower you each day and every day so that you can overcome the battles that you can't overcome on your own. He says, I want to give it to you. But unless you obey, unless you turn away and turn to me, then I cannot give you all of my riches and what I have for you. And he's calling you. You've been lost. You're wondering about life. You're wondering about why you're here. He says, I have not moved. It's you that got lost. But I've been looking for you. That's why you're here today. I've been searching for you with my son. I sent him after you. And my spirit has been leading you and he's led you to this place today. And he says, today's the day I'm calling. And he won't force you. You have to willfully submit to him. And if that's you here, this is what I want you to do. I want you to lift up your hand and say, Lord, it's me. I recognize I did this in St. John's Church over the road 20 years ago. I was there. I responded. I'll sponsor a child. That was my journey. Didn't really know what I was doing. And you might not fully understand everything, but you're here for a reason. And that's you. I just want you to hold up your hand and say, today's the day. Today's the day. And some of you, this is what you'll be doing because this is the challenge. You're going to be worrying about what people are worrying about when you make this decision. But the Father's not worrying about you because he loves you. You know, we're doing Alpha tonight, carrying on. If you want to come to that, got more questions, then please join us. So Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that you love them, that you sent your son and you died for them. May they be reminded today how much you love them. I pray that you fill them with your spirit, Lord, that they would be filled to the fullness. And Lord, they would go from here as empowered, loved children of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.